In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you ever overhear someone offering pastoral advice to someone who has experienced a tragedy, and you hear that person say that the explanation for why this terrible thing has happened is found in the book of Job, please do all of us a favor and snatch the Bible out of that person's hand and hit that person on the back of the head. Job does attempt to wrestle with the deepest unanswerable questions of human existence, but when it comes to why terrible things happen to good people, the only comfort Job offers is to confirm for us what thousands and thousands of years of philosophy, philosophy and theology have already deduced, that there is no answer at all. Keep in mind that Job is not a record of history, but an intellectual exercise concocted by those who want to explore the hypothetical collision of the world's richest and most righteous man with the evil deceiver, the great opponent whom we call Satan. Step by step, in one horrifying catastrophe after another, Satan takes away Job's property, Job's children, and eventually his health. And all of that happens with God's blessing. Then sympathetic friends who sit with Job in mournful silence for seven days and seven nights cannot resist the need to explain the inexplicable. One by one, they tell their friend that a just and good God would never do such a thing to a righteous person. Job, therefore, must deserve this tragedy. Even if you cannot think of what the fault is, they beg their friend, repent and confess, and God will show mercy. But Job knows in his heart that he has done nothing wrong. And in a way that really only makes sense in an intellectual exercise, Job cannot repent when there is actually nothing from which he can turn away. Eventually, though, Job is also unable to persist without an answer. So Job demands a reckoning from God. But the audience he receives, which in part is the first lesson we heard this evening, evening is more terrifying than it is illuminating. Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? God asks. Declare if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And where is the place of darkness that you might take it to its territory and that you may discern the path to its home? Surely you know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Unlike the reply of a petulant teenager, God's version of sarcasm is truly terrifying. <laughs> God's response exposes the infinite gulf between Job's ignorance and the mind of God. 
but it also exposes something else, an innate spark of curiosity, the drive for knowledge and discovery that belongs to the species that was made in God's image, that sense of inquiry that got Job into trouble in the first place. Where is the way to the dwelling of light, we might ask? What is the home of darkness? Where are the storehouses for the snow and hail? Whence does the east wind originate? What causes the rain to fall in desert places where normally no rain will fall? And how is the cycle of drought and flood essential for sustaining an ecosystem that vacillates between barren wasteland and verdant growth? These are the mysteries of Job's day, the questions that filled the imaginations of ancient scientists. And Job's inquiry and the response that Job receives from the Almighty reflect a universal human desire to understand, to comprehend the world around us, to plumb the depths of interstellar space, and even to mine the unfathomable mind of God. In the time since Job supposedly walked the earth, our quest for knowledge has helped us answer many of the questions that God threw at him. But that search has also confirmed for us that some pursuits are beyond our grasp. Can you bind the chain of the Pleiades? Can you loose the cords of Orion? We may understand the ordinances of the heavens, thanks to Galileo and Newton and Einstein, but can we establish their rule on the earth? One contemporary field in which scientific knowledge is exposing human limitations is climate science. As climate change promises one horrifying catastrophe after another, how long will it be before we wish that we could lift up our voice to the clouds and call down water upon the parched earth? When will we recognize that although God may be the only one who can tilt the wineskin of the heavens, our actions have the power to cause the dust to run into a mass, the power to create caked clods of earth that cling together? Our study of how the world works has helped us understand the relationship between rising levels of carbon dioxide and methane and nitrous oxide and other greenhouse gases and rising global temperatures. But as Dr. Walsh preached this morning, our knowledge of that relationship hasn't really helped us avert disaster. Citing an article written by Jonathan Franson in this week's New Yorker, she wondered whether the kind of apocalyptic devastation envisioned by prophets like Jeremiah might, for us, be inevitable. Why would rational human beings ignore a generation of science to the detriment of future generations? How immediate must the negative impact of our acts be before we will accept the warnings of modern ecologist prophets? It seems as though the more we learn, the more we, like Job, discover our own limitations. But those limitations, in a strange way, may also be our greatest hope. 
The source of our species' true power is that insatiable desire to learn. The pursuit of knowledge is our greatest aim. How we use that knowledge, and in fact, whether we use that knowledge, is in every generation our yet-to-be-answered question. Honest and open inquiry is always humble. It admits and even embraces its own limitations. And those who seek not only data, but the truth, bear the responsibility for communicating those limitations. The more we know, the more we realize how much we do not know. The more powerful our knowledge makes us, the more we recognize our own powerlessness. And that is where our hope lies. Our hope as a species depends upon our willingness to confront our limitations, to accept them and embrace them and adapt to them. In an age of increasing understanding and increasing peril, those whose task is the faithful and pure pursuit of knowledge are the prophets from whom we most need to hear. 